never forget why you are the church. Let me ask you a question before I even get started. Have you been made free? And uh, if you have, are you living in that freedom? Because you do realize that sometimes us as Christians, we are made free from the consequence of sin, yes, but, but we are also uh, in, that, in that making free, we have victory over sin, but yet we don't live in that victory. We actually live in defeat, which is contrary to why our Savior saved us. And that is why so many people are burnt out. That is why so many people are, are, are discouraged. And, and I'm not talking about the regular burnout and regular discouragement. But listen, if the only time that you are lifting your voice to the Lord is Sunday, there's a problem. If the only time that you're reading God's word is on a Sunday, there is a problem. If the only time, listen, the reason you cannot tell me. You cannot tell me that if you have worshiped all stinking week, that in the morning you have given yourself to the Lord and you have given time to him, and then you continue that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And let me just tell you, once Sunday gets here, it's just a continuation. So my question to you is this. What are you continuing? So if you would turn your Bibles to Jonah. We're going to roll right along here in this study of this prophet Jonah. Uh, Jonah vividly shows us the dangers of saying no to God. And up to this point in the story, all we've seen is a backslidden prophet fleeing from his calling. We, through the last week and so, we could have possibly, we've seen him make a turnaround, right? Last week we saw that he said, look, hey, uh, as a matter of fact, let's just read it, verse 11 and 12. Then say they unto them, that was the sailors, the, the, the pagan, uh, false God-worshiping sailors. Then they said unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us for the sea wrought and was temptuous. Now, remember, if, if you haven't been to every message, you might think, well, I know the story of Jonah. Understand. The storm was sent by God because of Jonah's disobedience. It was not just a storm just for God to have fun. No, this was a storm with a purpose. You do realize that sometimes God will put a storm in your life, and you've got to make sure you realize, is it for a purpose? First off, uh, a storm just, out of, just in general can make you stronger. Amen. Uh, and, and persecutions and all, that can make you stronger in your faith, and it should. However, a storm of this type was because of his disobedience. So Jonah says, and he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Now, right out the gate, wow, man, you think he admits his guilt. God sent this storm because of me. So cast me into the sea. Now, Jonah was still not going to go to Nineveh. But let's not, let's not be mistaken here this morning. Sometimes we, we take that children's storybook and we, 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 we take it, and that's the concept of Scripture that we have as an adult. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The stories that I read, River at nighttime, 
out of the Bible. Yes, you know, they're, they're biblical stories, but it's not the meat of that story. You understand what I'm saying? It, it sounds good. It flows. It rhymes, right? And that's all, that's all great. That's all good. But sometimes we look at Jonah and think, man, that's good. He, he admitted guilt. He, he, he repented. That's not what happened here at all. See, Jonah said, hey, cast me into the sea. Why? Because he was not going to go to Nineveh. He still refused to do what God has directly told him to do. Can I tell you, there's a lot of Jonas in here. I've been a Jonah in my life. Let's just get on some common ground here, church. There's a lot of people in the room today. You might be Jonah today. You know what God has for your life. You understand the will of God through scripture. I'm not talking about no spectacular calling. It may not be, hey, go to Nineveh, but it could be go to your family. It could be go to your coworkers. It could be, hey, uh, give thanks always. It could be rejoice always. It could be the share the gospel. As a matter of fact, there's, there is point blank, right? You cannot dispute it. You cannot argue it. It could be get your tail end to church. But you know what we do? We say, I know I should be there. But no, cast me into the sea of this world. Cast me into the darkness. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you separate yourself from the things and people of God, you'll be cast into the sea of this world. Because if there's anything this world eats up, it's a backslidden Christian. They don't want the sold out Christians. They don't want the ones that are on fire. They don't want the ones that, that, that walk around and actually do what they're supposed to do. They don't want the ones that actually know the Bible. No, they want the ones that are backslidden. They want the ones that look the part but don't play the part. You understand what I'm saying? The world eats those Christians up. But again, isn't that how we are? We would rather live in the storms of this life, welcome darkness into our life, conduct our lives the way the world says to all of which leads to destruction. We would rather be cast into the sea of this wicked and sinful world than to obey God's will for our life. How foolish can we be? Jonah may have acknowledged the cause of the storm, but he never repented up to this point. We don't see any repentance here. Be careful following that path. Now, I'm going to be honest and transparent with you. As I was studying and, and digging deep into this text, I got upon a, what preachers would call a rabbit trail. <laughs> or what I like to call, because I don't know who, who said it, uh, but someone said before, a, a commercial, right? Like it's relevant, but it's not the main point, right? It's not the show we're watching. That what's on the commercial may help me, right? It may, it may be a product that I, that I need, right? And for the word, it may be a word that I need, but it's not the main. Well, this rabbit trail turned into the message. <laughs> so so we're just, again, understand, and we're going to all kind of tie it back in. So if you're ready for this, say amen. amen. Again, be careful following that path. And we have to understand this. It's, it's not enough. Listen to me. It's not enough just to acknowledge your sin. It's not enough just to simply say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not doing as good as I used to. And, man, I, preacher, listen, I'm, 
I'm back hanging out with those friends. And you know what that means, preacher. I'm, I'm kind of falling and slipping a little bit. Oh, well, preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm back at the bar, preacher. But man, I just, I love Jesus. And one day I'll get back. I just, right now, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of stumbling, preacher. Well, you know, I got out of church, preacher, and, 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 and you've always said and you always told me it's a lot easier to stay in church than it is to get back into church. So, preacher, may, hopefully one day I can get back in. You want, you want to know what a preacher thinks when you say that? First, they want to give you a big hug and say that they love you. But then they want to slap you upside your face one time. Okay? Now, listen, I, I, I would never do that. I might think it, but I would never do that. You say, why, why so violent? Because that is the most destructive mindset a Christian, a believer, a born-again child of God, a saint can have. Is to acknowledge their sin, and that's where it ends. I'll just give you a little example, and we're going to continue here in a second. But I told the men this. I might have told you this. I was... Uh, you know, I didn't, when I first started driving, I did, but then I got out of it. And you can sit there and judge me all you want. I'm telling you, I've, I've, I'm not just acknowledging I've gotten better. But that seatbelt thing, man, I just, you know, I would forget about it, right? And people would get in the car and be like, hey, you going to put your seatbelt on? I'm like, no. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, <laughs> big deal. And I, and I put it on. But for some reason, I don't know what message that I preached, and this is always fun. But I was preaching a message, and, and God convicted me of my seatbelt. While I was preaching, I'm like, Lord, would you please? You're, that's kind of distracting. I don't know what. I mean, I mean, literally, instantly, he was like, hey, listen, that's, that's a law. And you're telling all these people to obey the laws of the land. You're telling all these people to be good citizens. And, and you need to as well. I was like, well, well, okay then. So listen, I, I kid you not. And, and I can tell you it, it's been happening, but this morning, right? This is a new shirt. I found like four new shirts that I got. Anyone remember Van Heusen? Oh, man. Somebody bring that back. You know, I worked there when I first got here. And man, let me just tell you something. I bought, I don't even know if I got paid. I just said, just give me clothes because I, you know, I needed them. But anyway, so I found a Van Heusen shirt and that's the one I got on. And man, I, I you know, I, I stained it. I, I can't stand that. Ironing or steam, I just can't stand that. So I'm putting it on. I'm getting a tie that, you know, kind of sort of matches. And, and so I'm getting in the car, and I'm thinking, I'm going down the road, and, and guess what happens on my car? What happens with your car if you don't have your seatbelt on? Ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 Lord, I just, I just stained my shirt. <laughs> that, that, just can't, that just can't happen. I was like, Lord, would you, would you forgive me this one time? I, I, you think I'm playing? This isn't the conversation I have with the Lord. And then ding, 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 ding. I'm like, Lord. And it's, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit was like, put your seatbelt on. And it was almost like I was a little child. I don't know if you had little children. When they do something, they like roll their eyes while they do it. They're like, oh, that's what I did. <laughs> let me explain something to you. Let, let me just explain something to you. I could have knowledge to God, and, that, and you say, well, that's so silly. You do realize most of the time for believers, it's not the big sins, it's the little sins. And it's a pattern of saying no to God. It's a pattern of disobeying him little by little that creates the big sin. 
Very rarely will you find a born-again believer who is obeying God's word just all of a sudden get drunk. Very rarely would you see someone just fall into a pit of addiction, whatever it is. Very rarely would you see someone go into a relationship, a fornication relationship, just because. No, it's little steps of disobedience. As a matter of fact, we could, a child of God, acknowledge sin and in their life, how could we do that and yet never actively turn away from that? Let me tell you something, that makes no sense. So we're going to look at this, and, 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 and everyone turn your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John, because I, I really feel like God has just kind of impressed this upon my heart. And I really want us to understand this foundational, practical truth for our lives as believers. Look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have impressed this upon my heart. Lord God, may I preach, God, with liberty and power and clarity. And may those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And God, I love you, and I thank you, God. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing right now, and I thank you for what you're going to do. May we never stop rejoicing. If you never bless us one more time, you have blessed us abundantly already. So, Father, may we hear, and may we not just acknowledge, but may we respond today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, it says right here, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. As a matter of fact, this is one of my favorite books of all the Bible. <clears throat> now, let's look at this word. If we confess, what does confess actually mean? This word confess is the Greek verb homo logeo. Homo logeo. It means to say the same thing as. It means to agree. It means to concede to what God says. At the time of your salvation, you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In that, you made a deliberate turn from your sin. See, people have to understand that when you confess Jesus as Lord, what you're saying is, is that I am sinful, I am wicked, I am dirty, I can't do it on my own, so I need you, Lord, to save me. That is what happened at salvation. Why? Because you agree with God about your sin. Now, I'm about to get real touchy here. It concerns me, the church today, that somebody can say they're saved and you can put whatever kind of lifestyle in the blank here and live a lifestyle that is contrary to what God says about it. But they love Jesus, but they know they're saved, but they confess Jesus as Lord. No, they did not. Now, I'm not saying every single time, I'm not saying that Christians cannot fall into sin. But I'm saying that you're living an ungodly, sinful, wicked, deliberate, public lifestyle. And then you confess Jesus as Lord. You, I'm not apologetic about it. You will be changed. You agree with what God says about it. 
We don't get to say, well, I agree with this, but not with that. Now I'll have you know, I had a conversation with a brother uh, this, this, this past week. I would say there are tiers to, to things that we can debate, right? There's tier one. If we disagree on Jesus, there's an issue. There's a problem. We cannot reconcile it until we reconcile it. Does that make sense? But then there's second tier things that are important. Very, all scriptural do- doctrinal truths are important. But there are secondary things that we can disagree on and still come to the table, although there might be tension. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Then there are third tier things that we can disagree on, and there's not really tension, right? It's just, well, I believe this according to Scripture. And, and for example, whether you're a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, right? Whether, is, is the millennium, you know, what is that going to look like? What is this? All that kind of stuff, right? Uh, that, listen, you, you can believe mid-trib. You can believe post-trib. You can believe that we're going to go through the tribulation, there's scriptures to really back up each viewpoint. That's not contradictory. That, that, that's just the fact that, that you got to study scripture and you got to uh, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Does that make sense? However, how, by the way, I will say this. If they all have support, I'm definitely picking pre-tribulation. <laughs> I love when people are like, man, I'm, it's mid-trib. Better get ready. First off, we need to be, no matter what, the Bible says we need to be awake and we need to be looking for our Savior. And so that means we need to be sober and ready for whatever happens. So I'm looking for him to come before the tribulation. But if he doesn't, he, we better be willing to be going through the tribulation as Christians. Now, let me just tell you something. I'm not going to say it's, it's going to be a piece of cake. It's not going to be. If that happens, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be very difficult. You think, Listen, you think it's difficult now. By the way, the only reason that we have it so easy is because we are in the United States of America. Man, here's a commercial. My goodness, I'm sorry. But listen, we, 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 we sit here and we say, well, it's just so hard to be a Christian working at my workplace. They looked at me real funny when I prayed over my meal. I shared Jesus with my boss, and he said, don't do that anymore, and that hurt my feelings. People getting their heads cut off. P- people were getting thrown in prison. People are, are, are executed uh, shot in the back of the head, lined up with their hands tied and their families watching. Let me just tell you something. I don't know if it's the tribulation, but there's tribulations going on right now. And yet we sit here and act like we're persecuted. We sit here and act like it's so hard to be a believer. God help us. We better get ready for when it does get difficult to concede but you agree with God about your sin. It's dirty. It's vile. It's wicked. It's destructive. Positionally, according to 1 John 1, 9, positionally, you at the time of salvation, uh, you were eternally forgiven. Someone give some praise right there. Amen. You were eternally forgiven. That means you were forgiven past, you are forgiven today, and you are forgiven for all eternity future. By the way, what a, what a truth that is. Man, I'm telling you what, that, that should excite us. I am positionally, eternally forgiven. We don't have to worry about dying unforgiven. We have been completely forgiven, past, present, future. As a matter of fact, it is this complete cleansing we experience that guarantees our salvation. Without this guarantee, could you imagine how scary life would be? 
Could you imagine how, how timid we would be in our lives? Could you imagine that, how fearful? Uh, you're talking about a spirit of fear. Uh, think about if you sin and then you die and, and you, you, you weren't forgiven when there's no, there's no sin in heaven, so therefore you're not going to heaven. What a terrible way to live. Just one little mess up. Let's say that you had road rage and, and, and you curse somebody out, then all of a sudden you get in an accident. What happens then? Well, I didn't confess. I died with unforgiven sin. What happens to me? Can I tell you this? I'm not even going to answer that question because that's not how it works. <laughs> now, I'm not telling you it's okay to have road rage. Amen? Don't do that. I've seen some of y'all with some road rage. I've been on the phone with y'all sometimes. Y'all be getting road rage. I'm like, you do realize your pastor's on the other line. You know what I'm saying? But look at 1 John 1, 9 again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Really, to fully understand this position of forgiveness, we need to read some more. Let's read some more. We're going to read verse 10 and then all the way to chapter 2, verse 2. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. That means that we mock God. Not that, not that God is a liar because he's not, amen? God is truth and nothing but the truth. God, God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. God is almighty. God is perfect. He is good, but he, he is not a liar. But, but in that, when we say, well, I don't have any sin, we mock the holiness of God, and his word is not in us. My little children, verse 2, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. How do we reconcile verse 10 of chapter 1 with verse 1 of chapter 2? Right? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is, his word is not in us. And he's writing to us so that we may not sin. How do, we, how do we balance that? Well, John tells us, don't say you don't have sin. That actually mocks God. How? Because only God is sinless. So when we sit there and we say, well, you know, preacher, I'm just, I, I'm just good. I don't struggle. I don't do this. I don't do that. And, and you say, would anyone say that? Pete, I hear it all the time. I'm a good person. I'm fine. Hey, you going to heaven? You know Jesus? I'm good. I, I, do, I do one good deed a day. Well, do you just get up, do the good deed, and go back to bed? I don't understand. Like, what else do you do? You know what I'm saying? By the way, that listen, that is the, I'm going to say a, a D word. That is the dumbest thing ever. Just one good deed. One good deed. What about everything else? God, listen, we got to set the standard in the bar a little bit higher than one good deed. Amen? You can be like, well, I brushed my teeth this morning. Well, praise be. Let me just tell you something. Hey, that's good. What about everything else? But right here, then he tells us that I am writing to you so that you may not sin. We are still speaking about positional forgiveness here. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So if and when we sin, because let me just tell you something, you are going to, we have Jesus as our advocate with the Father. Now, that word advocate is the word parakletos, parakletos. See, Jesus is our advocate, our legal assistant, the one who pleads our case with the Father. Let me give you a loose illustration on this because the fact that Jesus is my legal assistant and the one that pleads my case is much more, much more powerful and intense than what I'm about to tell you, but I just want to give you an idea. 
Now, you, you don't have to believe in this. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to input this strategy in your home. Do you understand? Everyone say, I understand. Okay. But when I was growing up, I don't know exactly what it's called, but when one did something wrong and uh, uh, we all got spanked. Yeah. And so, so what would happen is someone did something wrong and, and, uh, and it was time to grab the countertop. Anyone understand what the countertop is? Let's pretend this is the countertop. Like that right there. Listen, and when you grab that countertop, your hands better not come off that countertop. You, there is none of that. You know, that's an extra spanking right there. One more spanking. Right? And listen, I, listen, I got to a certain age where I'm like, it's going to hurt. I'm going to cry, but just go ahead. And I would sit there. But Jessica, oh, Jessica. Oh, Jessica. Can't tell me how many extra spankings I got because of that girl. Listen, she'd sit right here like this, and, and she'd be like that, and Dad would wind up. And she'd be like, hold on, Dad, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Let's just talk about this. We can, we can come to an agreement. I've never seen a homeschooler speak so intelligently. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Throwing out all these big words. And, then, and Dad would be like, no, no agreement. No talking. Only spanking. <laughs> so he'd grab it again. <laughs> okay. And that's what she do. I'm telling you every time. Listen, it got to the point to where I had to be an advocate. <laughs> I say, Mr. Terry, <laughs> all due respect, sir, you might have thought she did this. But in fact, it was not her. Who was it? Well, not me either. Don't get that idea. It was none of us. It just happened. So, so I would try to, to debate her case. I would try to argue and 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 and. Get, Try to make her out to be innocent. Here's the difference. Again, as silly as that is, right, as as funny as that could be, it was not funny in the moment. You're laughing at a lot of serious pain in my life. You know what I'm saying? But it was bad. Don't get me telling more stories, you know what I'm saying? Because I got them. But no, listen, I had good parents. I have good parents. (laughs) Anyway. But no, listen, when, when, when it says right here that he pleads our case with the Father, it's not that we were sinless. I could plead all day for, for, for my sister, but, but in fact, she was sinful. So was I. So was, so was Chloe, right? That, that's just how that works. It's, it's not the fact that, but it's the fact that his blood has cleansed us and been imputed on our account. And that propitiation, he has satisfied God's wrath at Calvary. And in that moment, we are deemed innocent. Do, do not miss that this morning. Revelations 12.10 tells us the accuser of the brethren, that is Satan, accuses us before God day and night. People all the time say, man, a devil is attacking me. Satan's on me today. Oh, Satan, he, he's in my car with me. I want to I kind of maybe, you know, kick back on that a little bit because, because here, here's, we know that there are demonic forces that, that roam the earth, right? And we know that Satan is the leader of those demonic forces. And I just want you to understand something real quick. God is so powerful, they can do nothing that he does not allow. <laughs> Isn't that cool right there? But anyway, they hate us. They hate us. You say hate's a mean word. They're mean. They hate us. For Satan, uh, in, in Revelation 12, 10, just told us 
that Satan is accusing us before God day and night. So instead of advocating for us like Jesus does, he is accusing us. Now, I guess that some of us are such a problem that Satan stops what he is doing just to specifically and directly attack you. Let me just tell you something. That's probably not the case. I mean, could you imagine Satan, Satan accusing? And I'm not trying to make light of this, but I'm just trying to kind of open your eyes to the impracticality of how we speak sometimes. We, we, we sit there and, and, and Satan is accusing the brethren day and night. And then all of a sudden your feet hit the floor and he said, hold on, I got to go attack him specifically. Now you may, be, there may be demonic oppression. There may be things happen to you. You, you might get caught into that snare but we got to stop acting like Satan's only focusing on us. Satan wants all of us to go down. And as a matter of fact, Satan is a created being. He is not omnipresent. So, so if, if you say that he's there and you say that he's there, that's impossible. Only God holds that title. Only God holds that ability. It's such a cool thing to me that People can be having church across our nation and across the ocean, serving and worshiping the same almighty God, the same Holy Spirit dwelling among them that is right here on this hill. Ooh, that's cool right there. But we are told in Job 1.6 that Satan can roam the earth and, and come before the Lord. Right? I think I have it right here. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. However, if you remember, Job's faithfulness was so strong that God allowed Satan to directly attack him. You say, well, my faith is strong. You need to go read Job. We get a toothache and claim Satan is on to us. We need to not be so flippant about the enemy. What we need to concern ourselves with is his accusations before God being false. Can I repeat that for you today? You missed that one. What we need to concern ourselves with is his accusations before God day and night about us being false. So we have the accuser accusing us day and night, but Jesus, again, is our advocate. The devil accuses. Jesus pleads our case. And he is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, what in the world does this have to do with Jonah? You say, I, I thought we were studying Jonah. We are. Jonah was backslidden. We talked about that. But that did not change his position with God. Jonah could have been cast into the sea. When he told those mariners to cast him into the sea, there was no doubt that he was going to die in his mind. He was giving up. He was like, well, I can't go forward because the storm is going to kill all of us. I'm not going to go backwards because I'm not going to Nineveh. So just cast me in the sea and I'll die. And if he would have, uh, he would have been no less saved. He would have been no less God's child. Does this excuse our sin? Because a lot of times I, I know that people take these statements and say, oh, good, let me go party. <laughs> no, 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 no. Even though Jonah was positionally secure, 
relationally, he was far from God. The storm, the casting into the sea, all this happened because Jonah's relationship was strained. How? His sin. We are to live a life of confession and repentance so relationally our fellowship with God stays right. What does Scripture say about this? Well, look at the same 1 John 1, 6 and 7. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. This is all about fellowship. That is our relationship with God. If you're married, you, you understand this. See, in a marriage, things can happen that strain that relationship. And you know what it usually, you know what it is, nine, you know what, you know what it is, 10 out of 10 times? Sin. Sin. Whether you want to call it selfishness, whether you want to call it pride, whether you want to call it laziness or neglect or abuse, whatever it is, it is sin. People come into the office and they're, they're mad at each other and, and they tell me their side and then they tell me their side and, and I say, well, you, you're both living in sin. <laughs> it's not going to work out until you reconcile with your Savior first and then reconcile with each other. But what happens when sin enters into a marriage? That relationship is strained. I don't know if you've ever gone into the house and, and, and you've walked in and you just felt that, ooh, that, that thickness of just put whatever word you want to put on it. You know what I'm saying? Just that thickness of irritation, that thickness of, of bitterness, that thickness of anger, disappointment. You walk in knowing, man, I've, I've messed up. Or you walk in and you bring that into the house. Does anyone understand what I'm saying here? There's strain in that marriage relationship and it's due to sin. And what happens half of the time is that strain turns into separation, turns into divorce. Why? Because they're never willing to they acknowledge. They don't want to do what Jonah did. They're not even willing to acknowledge it's them. And if they are, they don't want to repent of it. By the way, I hear this all the time. Well, I deserve to be happy. No, 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 no. God did not call you to be happy, although that is a uh, product of being a Christian. God called you to be holy. You know what's so wonderful about our relationship with Jesus? There can be strain. Not on his part. He don't bring sin to the table. He's perfect. He's, he, he is just, he's right, he's God. But we bring sin into our life. And that relationship is strained. But you know what's so wonderful about being a child of God? He will never divorce me. He'll never leave me. The Bible says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. But relationally, things can get tough. Verse 7 tells us that if we walk in the light and fellowship, our fellowship will be right, not just with God, but with others. But what else? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Church, two questions that we must answer this morning. First, is your position right? Are you positionally forgiven? That means are you eternally forgiven? I want you to understand there's two judgments. The first judgment are for those that are not positionally forgiven. 
That's the great white throne judgment. That's when he's going to cast those people into the lake of fire. That's eternal torment, eternal hell. But then there's also a judgment in 2 Corinthians, the judgment seat, that, that word means the Bema seat. That's the mercy seat. We'll talk a little bit more about that tonight, but that, that right there, what that means is that we'll be judged based on what we did good and bad. Not sin, but, but what we did with the gift that was given to us. But first, are you positionally right? Have you confessed unto salvation? Second, if so, if you have, is your relationship right? Are you walking in the light? When, when, those words walk means a continuation, a, a, a endurance. You are walking in the light or you are walking, actively going towards the darkness. And, and notice in verse 7, another question, is your fellowship with other believers right? Let me just tell you something. You've got problems that you refuse to reconcile. It's not that of the person. It is you that's backslidden. Period. We need to quit making excuses and saying, well, this person, that person, them over there, this group, that person, well, they did, blah, 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 blah. Listen, I don't, I don't initially come to church for you. I am the church. You understand that? You are the church if you're born again. I don't come to church to have a good time, although I love having a good time at church. I don't, I don't come to church just to talk to you, although I love talking to y'all. I come to church to corporately worship, to corporately learn, to corporately show the world that we, not just me, we are different. Is your fellowship with other believers right? Humble yourself. Put your pride to your side and reconcile. Jonah showed us what it looked like to acknowledge sin but not confess. Does he repent? If you're like me, that's the question you're asking. Does he repent here? Well, what we'll find out is uh, the answer next week. <laughs> but either way, this morning, let's just focus in. Let's just focus in right now. Really, we can sit there and we can talk about Jonah. We can, we can learn from Jonah. We can see what he did after this in the, in the belly of the whale or the, or the big fish. The, but but, but here, here's the real answer. Will you repent? Jonah's long gone. Jonah's, Jonah's in heaven. <laughs> but will you repent? Positionally, are you forgiven eternally? That means you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But relationally, what is causing that strain in your relationship with Christ? Are you backslidden? Are you full of pride? Are you full of selfishness? Are you full of just unrepentance? Church, can I tell you something? I truly believe, and it's not about, it's not about numbers. It's not about growing a church, although, listen, I, there's numbers in the Bible. Uh, when, God, when, God, uh, when the church was formed, there was a number given to that church. 3,000 was added into that day. That's pretty interesting. People today would say, well, it doesn't matter. It obviously did. <laughs> it's in God's word. But I can tell you this, I truly believe as your pastor, listen to me, as your pastor, the one, the, the one that, that sits in that office, the one that constantly thinks about Cedar Grove Baptist Church. Why? Because I love y'all. 
I believe God is preventing the abundance of blessing that we desire so we can get right. I believe there are people here today that are just like Jonah, that are fleeing from God, fleeing from what they know to do. Let me just tell you something. Don't be like Jonah and just say, I'll just be cast into the sea. Today, today, get right with God. And heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place.